courtesy of Jay Swavey. From fans for the fans. The best place for league updates. The hottest takes on the internet. Welcome to Cal's Call. Hello and welcome to Cal's Call. Um, this is Joe. I'm Joe Calamore. I'm Mickey. And we're going to be going over some of the trade deadline. Um, the deals that went on, we're going to be giving out grades for those as well as going on some other topics today. But first, let's start on the trade deadline. Mickey, what do you think was the most important move for any of the teams that made a trade on trade deadline day? It's tough, but I think Toronto getting Marcus All. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you there. It's just great yeah. for them. Yeah, I mean, it is. Especially after Philadelphia went up and got up Tobias Harris and Bob on you and go make a move yeah. to get you in the East in the contention. Definitely. Definitely. I agree with all those points. I think the Marcus Hall is going to be a great piece for them. It's going to be interesting. I mean, I've been, been reading some articles. It seems as though, yeah, they got a great player, but how are they going to integrate him into the lineup? Because you could start him if you do. Then do you move um <clears throat> Ibaka to the four which he played for most of his career but now he's been playing the five lately in Toronto and then then what happens to Pascal Siakam it then becomes are you going to start Pascal Siakam at the four or Ibaka at the four who's going to the bench is it Gasol going to the bench because I don't think you're utilizing him properly sending him to the bench um <clears throat> and then I also saw some scenarios some scenarios where they play Siakam at the three I don't think that works I think it. I think it's going to be best for them to play Lowry, um, <clears throat> Green, and Kawhi. I don't think Kawhi would be better at the two position. But you never know if they want to go extremely big. They could try to play Kawhi at the two position. But yeah, I would agree with you there. I think that's definitely one the probably the biggest move that went on. But you also mentioned the Tobias Harris trade. What do you think of that trade? I mean, Philadelphia is really going for it. Got to give credit to Elton Brand, who's yeah together tender. And I mean, he's he's given a position. Also got rid of Markel Fultz, who's been a colossal bust right yeah. now. Yeah, so, he, he I mean, is doing a great job. Very, very true. I think Fultz is going to also benefit from going to a point guard needy team in Orlando. Yeah. Although they really develop players very well. But, no. I mean. <sighs> I think I'd, you'd have to have faith in them, though. I, there's a lot of points that you just mentioned that we can all, that we can touch on today. Number one, Elton Brand. He went from being a player just four years ago to now a first-year GM. He's doing a great job. He's made two huge deals in a matter of one season. He's kind of taking risks that are not not a lot of GMs would make. He's traded for two star players in one season. That's unprecedented. Traded for Jimmy Butler, then traded for <clears throat> Tobias Harris. I think those are two great deals that you're trying to contend. For Philadelphia, honestly, I think it's best for to make the deals that he did. Why? Um, because at the end of the day, they weren't going to get a superstar in a couple years. And you want to maximize having Ben Simmons on a rookie deal now so you can actually <clears throat> maximize your contract value. Like right now, they can afford to have two other max contracts in Tobias Harris and Jimmy Butler. Whereas in a couple years down the road, once Simmons gets, in a, gets his extension, it's going to be almost impossible to add those contracts on. So I think they did a great job maximizing the value um, with this trade. Uh, but yeah, definitely with that, um, you said Markel Fultz too is going to be benefiting from this. That's a great point. He will be going to a very point guard needy team in Orlando. I think he has the chance to develop over there. I know Orlando hasn't done the greatest job of developing their in-house talent in the past couple of years. <clears throat> Just looking at players like Aaron Gordon, who's who's great, but he's not an all-star, not yet. Um, they Vucevic, who you know they got in the Dwight Howard trade five years back, five or six years back. <clears throat> he, they've developed him 
pretty well, but again, they haven't developed a winning culture. I think Markel Fultz could help change that. I think that I'm confident in Steve Clifford, who just spent a couple of years in Charlotte developing Kemba Walker's game. I think I'm confident in his ability to develop Markel Fultz. It's mainly just a confidence issue with Fultz and getting back into the rhythm he was at when he played at Washington. If you get that player, if you're Orlando, you won this trade deadline out of anybody. More than Toronto did with Marcus Gasol, more than Philly did with Tobias Harris. The Orlando Magic would win this trade because all at the end, at the end of the day, they traded a second round pick a mid to late first rounder in Oklahoma City's first rounder this year and Jonathan Simmons for a former number one overall pick that's tremendous value I do understand that number one overall picks do do get a lot higher rookie contracts than normal rookies but it's still tremendous value to buy low extremely low on Marco Fultz while you can um, so overall I think the Eastern Conference did make some great moves um, I think another very underrated move that could end up making the most effect this season is going to be Nikola Miritich to the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, if you're looking at that team, they're lengthy, they're great defenders, but they need to add more shooting. I think adding Miritich is a great solution to that. He's going to be fantastic in that lineup. I think putting him next to Giannis Antetokounmpo, Eric Bledsoe, Chris Middleton, and Brooke Lopez is going to be fantastic. He doesn't necessarily have to start. They already have Ersan Ilyasova there. Um, they also have... <clears throat> who's their starting forward? Who's their starting power forward? I'm trying to think. They have Brooke Lopez. Oh, they have Giannis... Oh, they play Tony Snell. That's right. So now they do have more a more natural power forward. They typically play Giannis at the four position. They have a more natural power forward now if they want to move Giannis back to the three. I think he'd be best off the bench, uh, but you could definitely utilize him both ways. Either way, the Eastern Conference made a ton of moves this year in the post-LeBron era, which I think is fantastic for them because I think the East is on the rise more so than the West is, honestly. I, I think so. I think so. I think we saw this trade deadline. You saw the Western teams kind of take a step back, not be able. I think at this point, the issue with the Western Conference is that they are obviously in terms of parity better than the Eastern Conference. The playoff race is just a lot tighter um, with winning records, not losing records. But the very bottom is the worst of the league. And it's gotten to the point where everything's so close-knit, like in terms of standings, that teams aren't willing to make trades with each other in the event that they end up getting the bad side of it, and then they miss the playoffs compared to creating a contender in another Western Conference team. So I think that's one of the issues going on in the West right now. But overall, fantastic trade deadline. It was very entertaining. Um, I know the Tobias Harris trade, that was, that was crazy timing. I was actually in the middle of writing that trade deadline article, if anybody read it. Uh, when he got traded there and I was actually talking about a potential Blake Griffin to the Sixers situation which obviously got negated once they traded for Tobias Harris but overall very very um intriguing um trade deadline any other moves that caught your attention Mickey other than the mirror yeah. to the Bucks? the Kings are finally looking in that playoff drop yeah. getting Harrison Barnes I mean Barnes he hasn't really been the same since leaving Golden State in my opinion but he's still off sour still solid averaging 17 points per game right yeah. around there yeah yeah, he's, he's a little bit under 20 points per game right now. It's um, definitely a solid score to add to that core. I think he's going to play really well next to De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Heald. Um, one of the issues going to the Mavericks is that he was one of the top two offensive weapons they had, so a lot of defenses could keen in on him. It's not going to be the same now. It's kind of not It's not going to be the same as Golden State, obviously, when he was there with Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, but it'll be similar. I mean, you have De'Aaron Fox steal, like, blowing by defenders, which is going to leave two people going to guard him and double him in the lane. Obviously, if there's somebody sagging, you can kick it out to somebody like a Buddy Heald or a Harrison Barnes for a knockdown three. I think that's a great game plan for Sacramento. They they do have um boy um Bogdan Bogdanovich already, so they do have a three or more natural two guard, but they do have a three guard three man already. But I think Harrison Barnes is just going to add to the depth there. They traded Justin Jackson, who I don't think is the greatest prospect. I never thought he was to be drafted in the middle of the first round. I never thought he was. I thought he was always kind of a reach. 
Um, but you know, for the Mavericks, at least they're just getting a three and D wing for the bench, and for the Kings, they're getting more of a solid offensive weapon in the for in the starting unit. So it's kind of a win-win for both teams. Uh, did you also see? I I kind of think a little bit under, underrated of a move is it was kind of crazy because the Rockets made a lot of moves just to save money, but they got him on Amon Shumpert. I know we were just talking about him last week. Um, underrated player this year. He's playing fantastic defense. He's always been a great athlete. Obviously, he's part of the title-winning Cavs teams. Um, he's a great athlete, and he's a, you know he's a good basketball player. He just, in terms of consistency on the offensive end, that's where you kind of worry about him. But you're playing against James Harden and Chris Paul. You don't necessarily need that go-to scorer. You just need a defender and somebody who can hit an occasional three when he's open. And that's what Iman Shumpert can give you. So I think he can give you that better than James Ennis. I think that was a good move for the Houston Rockets. Although I would have liked to see them make a couple more moves this this trade deadline. They at least got a good player for the starting lineup, potential starting lineup in Iman Shumpert. What about uh, our boy Stanley Johnson? Oh yeah, yeah. We might as well talk about that trade too. Uh, I think that was um, a fantastic trade all around. Now I don't. In terms of production from both players, I don't know if it'll be that great of a trade. But in terms of fairness. If we're looking at it, I think back in the 2016 draft, um, you had Stanley Johnson going number seven, and I believe it was Don Maker going number 10. So literally, it was basically just trading the number seven, number 10 picks of the same draft, both of whom haven't had the greatest chance to develop in their respective teams, uh, mainly because of opportunity. Stanley Johnson did get a better opportunity when he started his career, but a lack of offensive consistency really hurt him in terms of getting minutes with Stan Van Gundy. They were looking for playoff pushes, and Stanley Johnson didn't necessarily provide that. He provided more of like a promising young prospect. They didn't develop him correctly. Hopefully, Milwaukee can. I think Milwaukee's going to utilize him off the bench very well. He's going to be very important to bring off the bench in Milwaukee. Um, flipped him. No, they flipped him? Yeah. Oh, to the Pelicans. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. They did. I forgot that. That was like an underrated one. They tra- they immediately traded him later that day. And I think it was just for cap, it was just for cap space, too, right? They didn't even yeah, trade. got Miritich out of it. Oh, is that? Oh, so they. they Miritich was a steal. Yeah. I, did, I, I totally blanked on that. I don't. I, for Miritich, I was just thinking they gave up who? They gave up a second round, two second round picks, and somebody else. Was it just two second rounders and Stanley Johnson? I think that's uh-huh. what it must have been. I, must, I, I totally misspoke there. But it, it was a good swap. Honestly, that, that swap for Thon and Stanley Johnson made a lot of sense. Um, but, yeah, you're absolutely right. He did end up going to the Pelicans later that day, and I just totally blanked on that right now. I don't know how I, don't know how I forgot that. But Thon Maker, it's going to be a questionable fit in Detroit. Obviously, he's backing up Andre Drummond. I think it's going to be a cool, you know, in terms of developmental process, seeing what he can do. His agent wanted him to go to a team with more opportunity. I'm not sure if that's the Detroit Pistons, obviously. They already have two bona fide stars in that front court in Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond. I don't know if there's room to get that many more minutes in Detroit than there was in Milwaukee for him. I think he would have been better on a team like the Cavs. But again, depending upon, and if you read my article, you know this, if the Pistons end up moving a lot, moving on from their two big men, then this is a great place for Thonmaker to develop, um, become an inside-outside weapon in Detroit. But there's not, an, there's not that much media attention. There won't be the highest of expectations. He can just learn to just keep developing and developing and developing and maybe one day be a French all-star type player um, looking at like a Nikola Vucevic type he's obviously not in the same build he's not the same he's not as big he doesn't have the same skill set but in just terms of overall talent he could develop that way in Detroit if they move on from their big men such as Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond um, and yeah you're absolutely right Stanley Johnson did end up going to the Pelicans now that's a better fit in my opinion than the, than the Pistons and like like we just mentioned um, he wasn't developed right there 
at least in New Orleans, once the Anthony Davis trade is complete, more than likely you're looking at them to get Jason Tatum from the Celtics. At least that's the every direction that it's pointing at right now. Either way, they'll be getting some young prospects in. I think Stanley Johnson will get more of a time to um, develop slower um, and not be thrust into the lineup and forced to be an offensive weapon when he's not that right now. And, you know, at the end of the day, even if he ends up just being a defensive specialist throughout his career, that's okay. I mean, that, there's always room for that in the NBA. Um, as long as there's going to be great offensive weapons, that you need great defensive pieces too. But Tony Allen. Tony Allen. Could be like Tony Allen. Yeah, yeah, Tony Allen. That's a good. That's a good one. I mean, he, yeah. I think they're actually the same. No, no. Stanley Johnson's around six seven. Tony was around six five, six six. But yeah, I mean, that's a good comparison. He's kind of like the small version, small um, forward version of Tony. Um, he fits that mold. He's just not the greatest offensive piece. But you don't necessarily need that, depending on what you need. Like right now, if you, even if you look at like Marcus Smart in Boston, he's not the greatest offensive weapon. Although he has developed the three ball, but again, just great defender. There's always room for those in the NBA. So. Um, and then speaking of Memphis too, you mentioned you know Tony Allen. I always just think of Memphis and grit and grind when I think of Tony Allen. Memphis made some big moves. They traded away Marcus All. The thing they didn't do though, and I think that's like one of the biggest storylines too, is they didn't trade away Mike Conley. Um, any any idea or any team that you think they should be looking to move him to, or a team that should be looking to acquire him in the offseason now that he's not moved to the trade deadline? Conley? Yeah, it's gonna be hard. It's tough. I mean. I mean, that was the thing, is the Jazz were looking at him, but the Jazz don't necessarily need one. It was just kind of like an upgrade from Ricky Rubio, who's going to be a free agent. I mean, I think Dante Exum, it's disappointing, man. He, he got that four-year, 40, $44 or $40 million extension. He's getting paid more than $10 million a year right now, and he's not producing at the level you thought he was going to develop to, because he showed flashes just a year, two years ago, and he just isn't producing at the level that he's capable of. And looking at other teams that could use a point guard, obviously the Magic already got there as Markel Fultz. Um, there's really not much. Like for the for the most part, you'd be looking at a team looking to add like a super six man in Conley right now, but that's not what you're paying thirty plus million dollars a year for is a super six man. So it's gonna be tough for them to move them, but I think they need to. It's part of the it's it's gonna be necessary for them to really move on and start the new era there with Jaron Jackson Jr. Um, but we'll see. We'll definitely see. There is also some underrated moves. I think um, the buy the buy the buyout market is definitely a lot better than it was just a week ago. You have guys like Markeith Morris, Ennis Cantor, um, who else? Well, Carmelo's been on there. Who was that? Wayne Ellington. Yeah, Wayne Ellington, who's reported to try to, who's reportedly trying to set up a deal with the Pistons. Um, that's a great three and D guy. I don't think the Pistons, like, I don't know why. If I'm Ellington, I don't know why. Like, I understand why the Pistons because you're getting a better opportunity, but you're not going to win in the way you would if you went to a Philadelphia or you went to a Milwaukee. So, yeah. What about uh? Pelicans also got uh, Markeith Morris. Also, well, they, they, Ashton, go UCLA. Yeah, up. yeah. Shout out to uh, Ashton. You, you preferred walk on UCLA offer. That's fantastic. That's crazy. Went to our, uh, went to our um, former high school, Notre Dame in Riverside. That's fantastic news for him. Congratulations to, uh, to um, Ashton on that. Um, and you mentioned uh, Markeith Morris. He did get traded to the Pelicans, but then they immediately waived him due to a neck injury that he's been facing. Uh, <clears throat> At the end of the day, he's a good player. In fact, he's a starting caliber caliber player. It'll be very interesting to see who ends up signing him, if he goes to a contender, if he goes someplace to kind of display his skill set to set up a bigger contract going into the offseason. So that'll be that'll be interesting. I, th- I think a place like Charlotte for Marquise Morris would actually make a lot of sense. I think he'd get the opportunity to play more than he would at a lot of other contenders. And I think they could definitely use him at the four spot alongside Marvin Williams. So I would love to see Marquise Morris in Charlotte. I'd, I'd also love to see... 
a couple of the other guys on the buyers on the buyout market in Charlotte, like uh, Wayne Ellington. There's just it's, there's a lot of options right now, and I think it's very intriguing to see where those guys are going to land. What about uh, Bulls and Otto Porter? The Bulls, uh, yeah, that was. A, I mean, if I'm the Bulls, you have the cap space for it, so why not? Uh, you're not more than you're more than likely not going to get a star free agent this offseason, even with your gathered cap space, because nobody wants to go to a rebuilding situation like that. It's going to be really rare, rare to get somebody to go to you, but. Um, great capitalizing on Jabari Parker. I know just a week ago I was reading articles on some bigger websites saying that Jabari Parker was literally untradeable. There was no team that was willing to trade for him. Well, they did find the one team that was that would, and that's Washington. Uh, I think if you're Washington, I don't know why. You know, it it makes sense, kind of, because at least you got out of Otto Porter's big contract. Um, you're at least going to see a little bit of Jabari Parker if you like him. Maybe you can keep him. And you know, Bobby Portis is a good young piece. You know, to bring off the bench, some high high energy power forward slash small ball five um so i get it i get it it was i think it was pretty equal value uh, auto porter is going to play nicely right next to zach levine i think his porter's defense goes along well because he's going to mask how bad zach levine is at defense sometimes um now i think the perfect fit if i'm the bulls you're positioning yourself perfectly to pick joe morant in the draft this year so just don't mess it up like literally just don't mess it up because if you get joe morant you have joe morant zach levine auto porter jr um, Lori Markin and Wendell Carter Jr. Like that's a good lineup. That's a really good lineup. Like de- with development, with Otto Porter being the best right now, but just another step offensively from Zach Levine to become more of an All-Star level caliber. He's already an All-Star caliber offensive weapon. He just needs to get better on the defensive end and learn to match that offensive side of it. Otto Porter is a great, equal, equally great on offense and defense. Wendell Carter Jr. has great defensive instincts and really did surprise me on the offensive end when he wasn't getting hurt. And obviously, Laurie Markkinen has a great stretch for a game. So I think a, a point guard like Morant could turn this team around. He could literally be not an MVP, but a Derrick Rose-type level rookie for them if they do end up getting him in the draft. Another point guard they'd be looking at is Darius Garland out of Vanderbilt. Obviously, never got to play this season with a, with the torn meniscus. Loads of uh, worlds of potential, though. So if I'm the Bulls, I'm just positioning myself right now to draft a point guard at the top of the draft. But interesting trade. Interesting trade. About this one had me scratching my head as a Laker fan. They traded the yeah. biggest Ubak. Yeah, if we go over, if we if we were to have categorized this video as a winners and losers, I think the biggest loser this year is definitely the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, they're not capitalizing on year one of the LeBron era. They basically, they're not capitalizing it in this way. They could either contend or try to contend by making a by making a splash, or they could tank and just have LeBron sit. You have to do one or the other though, because if you don't do one or the other, you're in no man's land. You really are. And that's because your prospects that you don't that you have now aren't good enough to land an Anthony Davis. So unless you get another one that is, you're not going to be making a splash anytime soon. And in free agency, I don't know if there's anybody out there who can really add to this team and make them a title threat above the likes of the Celtics, the Philadelphia 76ers, if they retain both Butler and Tobias Harris, or even the Golden State Warriors, even if Durant leaves. So... You know, it, the Lakers really are losers there. They traded Zubox, who I think was having a good season. He, he had some great games in the past two months, especially before LeBron went down. He was having some great games. So, you know, he was disappointing last year. I'll give it to them. So he did disappoint last year, but he really did rebound well this season. And, you know, the Clippers, the LA, LA really was like the to- polar opposite this trade deadline. I think the Clippers were the biggest winner, and I think the Lakers were the biggest loser. The Clippers... If you look at what they did, they got rid of Tobias Harris for two first-round draft picks, two seconds, 
and they waved Marcin Gortat. They're basically just, you know, I, I see this term, they're just like leaning into the rebuild. They're basically giving up some veteran players in order to miss the playoffs, but it's smart because as soon as they miss the playoffs, the Boston Celtics automatically don't get it. If they make the playoffs, their first round pick is lottery protected. So if they make the playoffs, they convey their, their pick to the Celtics. If they don't, they get to keep it. So it's just, just absolutely tremendous planning by Jerry West. Um, I think the Clippers definitely won that. I mean, they're getting Miami, the Miami Heat's unprotected 2021 first-round pick. I think that could definitely be very valuable. I think the Miami Heat are a team in, lim in limbo. They Just like the Lakers, they don't have the assets to land a superstar. And it doesn't look like they'll be landing one in free agency anytime soon because they don't even have the cap space for it. So they got the Clippers got some tremendous value. But like you just said with the Lakers trading Zubox to the Clippers, Zubox is a great piece for the Clippers to add, and it's a bad piece for the Lakers to lose. I understand they got Mike Muscala and um, <clears throat> Reggie Bullock, but what do those two pieces do to really further you this year when your starting point guard is Lonzo Ball and Rajon Rondo? Um, and, you know, there's really not much talent at the five position, you can't say. I mean, I, I know they got Muscala, but him and JaVale McGee aren't a, a playoff starting caliber center. So I, the Lakers were a huge loser in my eyes. I don't know how you feel about it. Plus, too, yeah. like... You, we all watched the Indiana Pacers game. You, you saw LeBron sitting at the end of the bench. This team has no interest in LeBron James being on the roster. But LeBron just wants to control the team. Like LeBron just wants to bring in his own people. And now the whole roster just resents him because of that. Because they they, they know deep down they he just wants them gone. Magic just wants them gone. He just wants a superstar. And if I'm the young players there, I don't even want to play hard for this team anymore. I just want to get traded and actually be, belong to a team that wants me. So the Lakers are just total losers. This whole situation is a mess there. And I think that this scenario, this situation is really going to show to free agents this year. And I think they're going to even miss out on free agents next year. I, I don't. I think this is going to be a horrific era for the Los Angeles Lakers. I don't think it's going to get any better than this. Um, but what do, what do you think? About the Lakers? Yeah, what about this Lakers I, and the trade deadline? One of the worst franchises in the league with the Pelicans. Yeah. Sorry, but Dell, whatever the heck his name is. Yeah, Dell Dems. He's an idiot. Yeah, well, well totally. I don't know. You want seven draft picks? Are you serious? Seven draft picks. I think that's what happens, though, when you're the Lakers and you've you've literally fleeced all these other NBA teams of these superstars throughout your history. They're not going to give them to you anymore. Eventually, it's going to stop. That been. So? That, that's it was, what I would do, too. It was two players per seven. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, no, I want seven draft picks. Yes. I, I, I understand. I, the Lakers give way too little to acquire so much. And I think that's what the Pelicans basically said. No, enough. I'm not giving it to L.A. I'm not just going to trade you to Magic Johnson and Rob Palenka and LeBron James. This isn't going to happen. I think that was fantastic for the league that this trade deadline passed without the Lakers getting a star. That's fantastic. But you're a Lakers fan, obviously, so you, you don't agree there. Yeah, speaking of the Clippers, like we were just talking about, they also got rid of Avery Bradley. Yeah, they did. They did. Good move. Good move. Yeah, He's a lot of Clippers awesome. fans, the, every any Clippers fans I know was very happy they moved on from Bradley. He wasn't having a great season offensively. He's still a, he's still a great defensive piece, but again, so bad on the offensive end, it doesn't even justify how good he is on defense. Um, so a lot of people, a lot of Clippers fans are definitely happy to see him move on. So yeah, I was I was, and they also weighed Marcin Gortat, who I don't know if you saw, but it looks as though there is a report out that he's interested in, in joining Golden State. That would be fantastic if he, he if he joins golden state oh my goodness first of all him and his canter and if 
he gets waived, Robin Lopez. The Golden State Warriors are in a position right now. They get their pick of a ton of great, like three great centers that could potentially be on the buyout market. If I have to, if Lopez never does get waived, then I have this pick between Cantor and Marcin Gortat. I, personally, if I'm Golden State, I'm going to go with Cantor just because of the rebounding that he provides. But Marcin Gortat's a better defender and does pass out of out of the high post better. So maybe they go with him because he's better. Of a, he's more of a better scheme fit. But either way, if you're the Golden State Warriors, you won this trade deadline by just standing pat and waiting for the buyouts to happen. Yeah. Yeah, really. There was no losing for you. There's no losing situation. The only way they could have lost is by making a trade, I think. But, uh, yeah. Or by Anthony Davis getting traded to the Lakers. So they did the Pacers signed Wesley Matthews. Oh, they did. They're the ones who just got him. That's yes. a good fit. I like. You know what? You know, we just put out that article a couple weeks ago on places on um, players they could get. That's a great. That's a great fit for them with Oladipo out. I think that's fantastic. The depth there behind Tyreek Evans and um, Tyreek Evans and Bogdan Bogdanovich. Like that's some great. That's a great pickup as Wesley Matthews. He actually fits that team really well. That's a that's a good pick. That, that's good really shooter. good. Yeah, he's he's a great shooter, and that's a good fit for that team overall. That's a, that, and that's a team to watch out for still. I mean, they're obviously not going to be the same without Oladipo, but it's still a tough team to beat. Like, them and um, them and the Spurs out west, like, those teams just don't die off. Like, if you've watched any of their games in the past couple weeks, like, they don't lose. Like, Dane McBillen, he was a coach where I was not that – I was not expecting much. He was a retreat from Portland, um, didn't have the greatest tenure there. I mean, defensive-minded coach – you weren't expecting him to do a great, as great of a job as he's done with this with these Pacers the past couple of years. He's done fantastic. I think he should be in contention for you know coach of the year votes. He's just doing a great job over there. Yeah, so that's yeah. good. And then the Trailblazers made a move. Yeah, they did. Rodney Hood. They did. They got Rodney. They the Trailblazers left the trade deadline with two pieces that I think are a little underrated. They got Rodney Hood and they got Scalabissier. I think both of those players can make. An impact on the play on a playoff push. If I'm if I'm Portland, now I didn't understand getting rid of Nick Stauskas because I think he was having a good season and I think he's a fantastic shooter and I think he goes along with the two guards that they have already extremely well. But Rodney Hood is a better wing defender. I'll give him that. So that is a better trade for them. It's a better fit for the roster. And I think Scala Bissier is right up there in terms of a great prospect to add to that front court. Putting him next to um, Yusuf Nurkic, um, Zach Collins, and Caleb Swanigan. That's a good. Uh, as well as um, Myers Leonard, that's a good. That's a good. That's some. That's some good depth right there. Like I get, it, it's an expensive team, but that's some good depth. I think that they could definitely be one of those teams where if they get hot during the playoffs, they can make it to the. You know, they could definitely make it to the, the semifinals, maybe even the Western Conference Finals if they're hot. Hmm? Are they the three seed right now? Yeah, they are. I mean, the thing, the the issue is like last year, for instance. I think a lot of hype died down when they got swept by the Pelicans last year. But if you look at it, it's. You know that their backcourt wasn't too hot that series, and if it mainly depends on them. If if CJ's hot, if Dame's hot, the team follows, and if that's how this playoff push can go, and then they can also get contrib- contributions from Scalabissier as well as Rodney Hood, then this is a dangerous team to play. I mean, it's a, their bench is not bad whatsoever. Like, they have a good bet. Like it's not the greatest. They they could get a better lead card coming off the bench, but it's okay. It's adequate. So it's it's gonna be interesting to see. Carmelo. Carmelo. Oh no, I yeah, I don't think so. I I don't I don't think that would help at all. I think it's a good fit for Carmelo, but I don't think it'd fit the team at all if they're pushing for the playoffs. Um, the Lakers. The Lakers, yeah. The La- it's gonna happen. It's just a matter of when it's gonna happen. He's gonna go to the Lakers, but they aren't they one roster spot short right now. I think so. I think yeah, so. Yeah, they're thinking either Morris 
Marquise, the one that just got waived, yeah. or yeah. Carmelo. So. I think I think um, if I'm Marquise Morris, I would try to stay in the Eastern Conference right now. But you know, we'll see. We'll see how that plays out. I really do think Charlotte's going to be one of the best fits for him, though. So I'm hoping he goes there. Um, there's a couple places you can go to the Lakers. I, I saw some Celtics fans posting today about him going to the Celtics. Um, I don't that I it would be cool. They'd get more, both Morris twins. I think he'd provide some great quality depth off the bench. I think that Ennis Cantor is a better fit for the Celtics, but Marquise Morris would do too. It'd be interesting to see him on there. So he he has a couple. He he is so flexible as a player. I think he's a great for. Yeah, I think he's a great modern ball power forward. That I think he could go anywhere and be a great for uh, stretch four. Or you know, um, kind of like a small ball five. So it'll I be interesting. Talk about losers. My loser is the Charlotte Hornets. Yeah, they're they're a loser. No, they they definitely are. This is a franchise that is hard to root for. It is insanely hard to be a fan of them. I go to bed thinking I'm gonna die before this team ever even makes the, the Eastern Conference Finals. Like this team is so poor. Like it. What's going on? You don't have the pieces to be a contender and you're gonna lose Kemba Walker and if he stays then you have wasted his entire career and he's it's so sad because Kemba's actually such an underrated player he's literally the same I think this on the same level as a Damian Lillard type like he, he, even then like he, he he's just a great player that they're wasting and then they had a deal for Marcus Gasol Right there, they were so close to landing Gasol. Imagine the different the the storylines we're talking about now. If Marcus All goes to Charlotte for Bismack Biombo, Frank Kaminsky, and and a, and a couple second round picks. Now I heard what what killed that off was that Memphis was asking for Malik Monk, and that yeah. Charlotte didn't want to give Malik Monk. So I understand that, but I feel like you could have added a second round pick. You could have added something to get that deal, and it would have gone through. But you didn't do it, and. It sucks because now he just goes to a better team in Toronto. And at the end of the day, if Charlotte does sneak into the playoffs, more than likely they'll be playing a Toronto as an eighth seed playing the number one seed. So it, they, they were total losers. And I don't really want to get into, depth, into too much depth about it because they're so bad. And I just hate being a fan of them at this point. I don't even watch the games. It's not even worth it. Like The only thing I have to hope for is Miles Bridges. Kemba, I'm just like, I just hope he leaves. I really do. Like, just for his sake. It's just not... It's not worth it. Malik Monk, I think, is not good enough on the defensive end. He's literally just a less athletic Zach Levine. So it's there's no hope. There's no hope. There's no hope at all. I mean, our number ten pick from a number nine pick from three years ago, Frank Kaminsky, he's horrible. They literally want to buy him out. He's so bad, and they can't even get anybody to trade a second round pick for him. He's so bad. Like it's just it's it's disgraceful. I hate being a fan of them. And I'm just going to live in the shadows until eventually one day they get the number one overall pick and they can finally get somebody good. So, Or they end up with a Markel Fultz type number one overall pick, so we'll see. But they're a loser. They're they're definitely a loser. I'll agree with you there. The Charlotte Hornets are a loser. Um, well, they're losing for me, though. This is just player base. Is Jonas Valanciunas? Really? I think I think that he's actually at a great position right now. I think that him playing next to Jaron Jackson Jr. will help a lot. I, I think know. so. I think you go from one of the best teams to one of the worst teams. I, I yeah, I, I think that it helps his value. If anything, he was coming off the bench for the Raptors. Now he's going to be a starter in in Memphis. Him next to Jaron Jackson is fantastic. He's never played again. He's never played with a true stretch for like Ibaka is more of a small ball five. At the at, he's truly a more small ball five. 
and he does have a three ball, but he wasn't even starting next to Ibaka. He was coming off the bench, and Pascal Siakam took his place. So I think that he's going to be a great fit next to Jaron Jackson Jr. I don't know if he is the like the center of the future in Memphis, but you know if he plays well, he could be. I mean, maybe you never know. Things happen. They, yeah. So he's kind of that Ennis Cantor role where they're just great offensive pieces and great rebounders. And I think he's better defensively than Ennis Cantor, so at least he has that going for him. But it'll be it'll be. Cool. I don't think he's a loser. I think I think I'd have to disagree with you. I think Jonas Valanciunas is actually a winner. I think Delon Wright could be classified as a loser. Because he was per- he was perfect off the Raptors bench, and he was coming off a contender, not having to do much, and now he's going to be asked to do a lot more on the offensive end, where he's not he does not excel um, on the Grizzlies. So I think Delon Wright could be classified as a loser. I think that um, <clears throat> Avery Bradley could be qualified as a loser because he's just going to a losing Memphis team, and there's no there's no you know there's no where for him to go. I hope he gets you know I hope he gets bought out. Hopefully we'll see. Go. But if he go, if if he gets bought out, it's like going to some place that just needs defense. And you're looking at maybe the Rockets or you know some contender like that. His offensive game though has just been too horrible this season. There's got to be something else going on outside of basketball. But yeah, so I mean, it was any other trade? I mean, there's a lot of trades. I think we covered most all of them. Um, there were a lot of small ones. I mean, we saw um, <clears throat> yeah, James Ennis go to Philadelphia. Um, <clears throat> I saw this report that. The Philadelphia 76ers had the option to include um, Terrence Ross in that Markel Fultz deal, but chose not to. And I thought that was so crazy. I thought that he would have been a great piece for them. This guy says, what is up with the jaw Morant hype? Morant, sorry. Oh, I, if you think I'm overhyping him, then you're not watching enough basketball because he goes to Murray State. I understand that. But Damian Lillard went to Weber State. McCollum went to Lehigh. If you can tell me where Lehigh is... Then I'll give you a hundred dollars. Give it, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I'm talking a regular fan, not you. But yeah, literally, like there are some quality guards that have come from small schools, and I think he's just the next one in line. Like I, I don't think school, I don't think t- NBA teams are gonna make the mistake they did with Damian Lillard, where you see like a total, totally great offensive weapon coming from a small school, and they let him slip to number six. I think he's gonna take. I'm, I think he's the best prospect outside of Zion Williamson. He said you sound like a good salesman. No, nah, I'm just I am, but if I'm his agent, I'd be pushing like, him. Like sheer wow, but less creepy. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you. But again, Morant's gonna be fantastic at the NBA level. Like literally, I get like he's he literally is averaging twenty and ten. He's gonna be the first point guard or guard for that matter to average that in thirty plus years in, in the NCAA basketball. That's crazy. He's playing against some good like not great competition, but good competition. He's showing all the skills that you want to see from an NBA point guard. And his athleticism is just off the charts. Like, that's what's going to be propel him to stardom in the NBA. Because I think, like, if you're looking at point guards that got taken early in the basketball draft, you're looking at Alonzo Ball, you're looking at Markel Fultz, you're looking at De'Aaron Fox. Um, last year was, um, oh, my goodness. How do I forget his name? Who was the point guard last year that got taken? I'm trying to think. I don't know. There really wasn't much. Um Oh no, that was that was the year before that. Frank Nilakina and then Dennis Vendier. They were all the same draft. Well, anyway, if you're looking at these young point guards that have gotten drafted, the only one who could even compare physically with them is De'Aaron Fox, who's performing really well in Sacramento. And I think Morant's a better offensive weapon than Fox is. Um, I don't think he's as good as defense as Fox is, but I think he just has a better offensive arsenal than Fox does. Fox may may be actually a little bit less of a natural distributor than Morant. That's how good he is, so... We'll see. I think he's going to end up being an all-star, but that's just my opinion. Interesting. Yeah. I, I, 
I think he's good. You know, I have a prediction that let's just do this on this one so that way we can have this in recording. Cam Reddish is going to have the better NBA career than R.J. Barrett. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I, I would bet on that. I would definitely bet on that. He is underrated. He's average, he's got he's at he's just got forty points in the last two games for Duke. He's not getting the attention that RJ Barrett and Zion Williamson's in. He's not as he's not as athletic naturally as RJ Barrett, but he's a better basketball player in my opinion. So did the Chicago Bulls make a mistake trading Bobby Portis who dropped thirty for Washington? No. No. The reason why Bobby Portis dropped thirty for Washington is because they have nobody else to play with Marquise Morris now gone, and because he's a very high energy guy. He can provide you some stats. But he's not a winning piece to a championship-level team. He's maybe a bench piece. If he was coming off the bench in, let's say, Milwaukee or Philadelphia, then he's a great addition to your team. But if he's your starting power forward, you're not a contender because he's not a contending-worthy starting power forward. So I don't think it was a mistake. I think they got... Yeah. Ricardo has two young, good frontcourt pieces. Yeah, I, I, I just think over. I think overall getting Otto Porter... Is a no-brainer if you're Chicago. You got rid of Jabari Parker first of all, who wasn't fitting the system. And yes, you got rid of. Okay, also with Portis, so you have to look at it this way: Portis is going to need, going to be needing a rookie contract extension within the next year. How much does he want? How much does he want? Because I think he's going to be looking in like somewhere between the ten to fifteen million a year range, which I don't think is. I think is too much. I think he's a high energy player off the bench in the mold of a Kenneth Freed with a better offensive game. But that's just me. So I don't think he's worth that much. But it, it, it depends. There are different fans of different players. Um, to me, he's just he's just Kenneth Freed with a better offensive game. But yeah. And then this guy also asked, is Lonzo Ball holding the Lakers back with being a pass-first point guard? No. But you know who is holding the Lakers back? I don't know if anybody else saw this, but LeVar Ball with Skip Bayless. <laughs> I've never seen I've never seen something as horrible. I, and I, I love LeVar Ball. I think he's awesome. But he was horrible with Skip Bayless the other day on TV. Like, just absolutely the worst. Like, he's saying that he doesn't care about the Lakers whatsoever. He cares about Lonzo and where Lonzo goes, what Lonzo's doing. Lonzo is not holding the Lakers back. What's holding the Lakers back is the Lakers themselves. Because the Lakers could have moved Lonzo a a long time ago to a team that actually could utilize him more. Like a Phoenix, where LeVar wants him to go. I think he'd be great in a team like the Magic. A better fits in Markel Fultz than, than Markel Fultz is. I think putting Lonzo Ball next to weapons like Vucevic, Aaron Gordon, Jonathan Isaac, and uh, Evan Fournier, as well as Terrence Ross, that's a good combination right there. That's fantastic. I think moving Lonzo Ball for a piece like, <clears throat> for some pieces from Utah and putting Lonzo next to a team, next to Gobert, Inglis, um, Donovan Mitchell, and uh, Derek Favors, I think that's that's a that's a great team as well. So there's a lot of teams that could utilize his pass first capabilities, and I don't think that's what's holding the Lakers back. I think what's holding the Lakers back is just the fact that they want to hold on to him so badly. Like he just does, he, he's not holding the team back. It's just he doesn't fit well. That doesn't mean he's holding them back though. I think he's performing as best as he possibly can. Plus the health concerns. I mean, if you're not on the court, you're not contributing to the team. So I wouldn't necessarily classify it as holding them back. I just say it wouldn't be the best fit, and that they just need to learn to move on. Yeah, I agree. I, mean, I think it's ruining yeah. them. No, it's ru- yeah, absolutely ruining. Because I think at the end of the day, the reason why that Lakers, why the Lakers didn't get Anthony Davis, is number two yeah. because teams are tired of giving the Lakers their star players. Number one, I'm sorry, number one, because teams are, are tired of giving the Lakers their star players. And number two, because of Harbaugh. I think literally the Pelicans were like, you know what? 
Maybe we can bump it up to three first-round picks, two second-round picks. Um, Lonzo, Kuzma, Hart, Ingram. That makes sense. That actually sounds like a good deal. And then as soon as LeVar Ball opens his mouth, it ruins... No, seriously, it ruins the deal. Because getting that player is so toxic for your team. It's toxic. So, it, it that... Like, I think that LeVar Ball, not Lonzo Ball, is what's holding the Lakers back and the Lakers front office. So, Jesus. Yeah, it's horrible, dude. He's literally the worst. He is the absolute worst. If I'm a Lakers fan, I would hate him. As a, as a Lakers hater, I love him because he's ruining that team. Him and LeBron, LeVar and LeBron, both the laws, man, they are ruining the Lakers organization. But, well, whatever. I hate him anyway. So Lonzo would be traded for Chris Dunn, so LeVar can put the Bulls front office on the hot seat. Yeah, no, seriously. If you're if you're a Bulls fan, you'd love to get LeVar Ball. I'm that that front office is one of the worst in sports. They made a good move in getting Otto Porter Jr., but literally anybody with a brain would know to trade freaking Bobby Portis and a horrible Jabari Parker this year for Otto Porter Jr. So I don't think I will, I don't give them too much credit on that move. I just think it was a no brainer that Washington presented to them. To get off, to get rid of the, to get rid of the uh, Otto Porter's contract, but yeah, they're 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 uh, like rank, ranking some of the worst front offices in the league. You're talking about the Chicago Bulls. Um, it's yet to be seen. I want to see what what James Jones can do in Phoenix, but as of right now, just to, just because of how new he is, I'd have to think Phoenix is one of the worst in the league. Tyler Johnson. Shot, yeah, dude. Tyler I, for people saying that Tyler Johnson is a point guard to play next to Devin Booker, that was not. A good trade at all like oh, he's got a horrible contract yeah he's got a, not only is he a horrible con i get that you got rid of ryan ryan anderson but at least with ryan anderson like you just don't play him you keep tanking like tyler johnson is just i don't think he's he, at least he's up at least he's a guard that you can play but it's like you got who you he got i mean it was two players right it was ryan anderson for wayne ellington and tyler johnson yeah. So you, you, wave, you and then you, know. you and then you wave Ellington. So you pay. So you just literally wasted five million dollars of your owner's cash to wave Ellington. You're still paying Johnson seventeen million dollars a year, and you got rid of Ryan Anderson for two more years at twenty million. You're trading a bad contract for a bad contract, and then some people are saying the Suns are winners because at least they're getting a, getting a point guard to play next to Devin Booker. I don't think the fit between Johnson and Booker is good at all. It's horrible. I saw a potential trade for Patrick Beverly next to Devin Booker. That makes a lot of sense. Alonzo Ball next to Devin Booker, that makes a lot of sense. But Tyler Johnson isn't the greatest fit next to Devin Booker. He needs somebody that needs to have the ball. Um, not you know He can play off ball. Yeah, he's okay. I don't think he's the greatest defender. Um, but I, I think he's more naturally a shooting guard. He's not a point guard, and I don't think he's going to fit well next to Booker. And I think that's one of the reasons why the Suns are still you know one of the worst teams in the league. But we'll see. Phoenix is that bad. They're just not pushing for the lottery. They are just that bad. Yeah, no, they are. They are that bad. They are. I see DeAndre Jordan. I'm DeAndre Jordan. DeAndre Aiden is actually a good player. Devin Booker is a good player, but they're just naturally that bad. Game over in the fourth quarter and just yaks of pointless threes. Those, those, yeah. I the coach is the coach has potential. Igor, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but he has potential. He's a great offensive mind. It's just like that. It's just so awkward. Like. Michael Bridges, I love Michael Bridges. I don't like Josh Jackson, and I I don't like T.J. Warren. Like okay. I like I like T.J. Warren as a player, and he went to NC State, so like go Wolfpack. But he's just like on that team, he's not a good player. T.J. Warren's a great piece on a team like Milwaukee, where you know he can score off the ball next to Giannis, or he's a great te- he's a great piece on a team like Washington, where he can play next to a next to a Bradley Beal and be one of the main options, or. T.J. Warren's a great fit on a team like Portland. Oh, he'd be fantastic in Portland. 
But he, I just don't, like, on this Suns team, he just doesn't belong. He's not young enough. He's, like, in his mid-20s. He needs to capitalize on that on the prime years that he's in right now on a contender. I don't think he fits in Phoenix. So, and then Dragon Bender. Oh, my. Just it's horrible. That was such an unwarranted number four overall pick. That's horrible. Here was that. I want to see who else they could have gotten. They could have gotten so many other players because he, that was the 2016 draft, correct? Was it? No. Or was it? I he believe. He, he honestly might be the worst. <sighs> I thought it was a 2016 draft, and and that's if that's the case, then it would have been um um <clears throat> who could they have possibly gotten? I mean, I, but yeah, Dragon Bender's just in yeah, Buddy healed. Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray. Oh my good. Imagine Jamal Murray next to Devin Booker. That's a great. That's a great tandem right there. Denzel Valentine. Mm, yep. No. Uh, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Pascal Skikum, but he yeah, fell. Yeah, he fell. He fell a lot that year. Um, but seriously, like, Dragon Bender is horrible. So I, that team really needs to, you know, capitalize on their draft picks and pick up some veterans, and really solidify that number one position next to Devin Booker. Or, you know, just develop Devin Booker to be a more natural one guard. But, yeah. it's it, it, Yeah, they're not good. Um, yeah, so. Any any other trades? Any other any other thing you could think of? Like, talking about the trade deadline? This is mainly just a trade deadline video, so. Is this Toronto's year? Mm, I think. I don't think so. My pick to make it to the finals is the Milwaukee Bucks. That's my pick to make it to the finals. Milwaukee versus Golden State? Yep. I think that I think that's I think that's the line for long. I think out of all the playoff scenarios, the most entertaining seven game series is gonna be a Toronto versus Milwaukee. That would be, in my eyes, the most entertaining series, and even more so than the finals. I think that'd be a fantastic series to watch. Or or the the Sixers versus the Celtics. That'd be a cool series to watch too. Who's your Western Conference Finals? Uh, Golden State probably versus Denver. I think Denver makes it to the conference finals. Mm, I think I'll Denver. Take, I think Denver. Denver's just too hot right now. I think they figure. I think they finally figured out how to work around. I don't think so. I think they've. I think they finally learned how to play around. How to win with a player who's not um, like a huge rim. Like obviously Nikola Jokic is not a rim protector, but they've learned to play in a defend in an area where you're looking for a rim protecting center without one. So I think they are. I think they make it to the Western Conference Finals. I don't think they peaked at all. Timbers, Jokic is Warriors kryptonite. Yeah, yeah. If Denver would shock everyone to beat Golden State, Denver could at least win two games against Golden State. Three, that's pushing it, and four, I don't know. I don't know. I would say that's not as likely, but I think they'd win at least two games, at least two games, which is more than a lot of other Western Conference teams. Looking at the Western Conference. You have Houston, not a factor in my eyes. I don't think they're legit. You have um, Denver. You have Golden State, obviously. Um, you have the Trailblazers. You have the Utah Jazz. You have the Sacramento Kings. You have OKC. OKC is not a playoff team to me. They're a, they're a white regular season team that's not going to do too well in the playoffs. Well, I think this. I think Oklahoma City makes a second round at least this year, but I don't think they. I think they get swept or lose in five in the second round to whoever they play. They'd get, they would get destroyed. That's a team where, like, yeah, you see how great Oklahoma City's defense is. They would get destroyed by Denver in a seven-game series. Destroyed. It'll be interesting to see if Michael Porter comes back this year. That'd be cool. To try to bring him back to a playoff to a playoff hunt like that, that'd be that'd be that'd be crazy to see if he could contribute some playoff minutes just for his first live action 
as a rookie in the NBA. That'd be fantastic. But I think they're going to sit him. But it'd be cool to see. Um, so I think look, I think we're looking at the Denver. I think we're looking at Denver and Golden State making it to the conference finals. If not Denver, it's tough. It really is. West is West is what was that? Portland. Portland's definitely reasonable. You could see it. I could see it. The Pelicans aren't not this year. Timberwolves aren't. Lakers aren't. Clippers aren't. Um, Kings aren't. They're not. It'd be cool to see the Kings in the second round. If the Kings make the playoffs and could upset somebody, oh, that'd be fantastic for Sacramento basketball. But I don't think it's going to happen. Unless they could have made a possible trade for Andre Drummond. For anybody who would have read my article would have saw that I put that on there. I think he would have made a fantastic piece for the playoff run for Sacramento, but it didn't happen. Um, but yeah, so Eastern Conference is definitely a lot more exciting in my eyes. I think that playoff hunt, you're looking at Philadelphia. You're looking at the Celtics. You're looking at Toronto, and you're looking at Milwaukee. You're also looking at the Pacers. So five teams that are going to provide some great matchups in the playoffs. But yeah, overall, this was a fantastic trade deadline. Very exciting. A lot of pieces moving to a lot of other teams. Um, contenders being made being made out of some pretenders. I thought the Philadelphia 76ers were more of a pretender. Trading for Tobias Harris, in my opinion, makes him a contender. It's kind of the same way with uh, not necessarily Toronto. I think it just strengthens their ability as a contender. They were already a contender, but this just makes them probably a rock-solid number one contender. But yeah. All right, let's do the uh, NBA awards, just because why not? Halfway through the season? Yeah. Who's your MVP? My MVP? Yeah. Harden. Who? Harden. No, I don't think so. I think it's Giannis. I think it's Giannis. Giannis has done fantastic. Uh, Harden, though. Mm, I don't know. I'm tired of giving it to the guy who just shows off on the offensive end. Yeah. I, I think Milwaukee. I think I think if you're looking at Giannis's game as a whole, man, he's just doing fantastic this year. I, I You know who else? Who you know I've seen this on bigger sites too as a sleeper, but dude Paul George, nice season, great season this year, one of his best to date, probably right on there, right alongside that Indiana Pacers season, where he was in his prime. Like I think it was 2013, like right up there. He's having a great year, but um yeah, um I would say Giannis. Who would you who would your rookie of the year be so far? Obviously Doncic, right? Obviously, yeah. obviously, obviously. Game coming in second, but it won't be even close. Uh, yeah, Jaron Jackson. I think Jaron Jackson comes in second at the end of the year. Actually, with Marcus All traded, I think Jaron Jackson ends up averaging like twenty and ten to end the season. He's that what good. About thoughts on Marvin Bagley? Um, he's getting better. He's getting better. I've been I've been known for naming nicknaming him Marvin Busley the Third ever since he got drafted. And I think you know for a long time in Sacramento, he's going to be known as the guy who got drafted above Luka Doncic. But he's doing okay. He's getting better. I just think, like, the comparison was Amari Stoudemire coming out of college. Like, Amari Stoudemire with more of an offensive repertoire in the perimeter. So I understand that. He has the athleticism to do it. I just don't think he's efficient as enough. Like, Amari, if he got, he was a walking bucket. Like, he was going to get you points. He literally had a career field goal percentage up there in the 40s. Like, high 40s. I don't think Bagley is that player. I don't think he's that efficient. I think that he needs to take 20-plus shots. Just to score that twenty, I don't. I think that's going to end up being what happens. Like right now, yeah, he's having some great games. He's scoring twenty plus points, but defenses aren't focused on him. Defenses are focused on Heal, focused on Fox, focused on Bogdan Bogdanovich, focused on now Harrison Barnes, Willie Colley. Willie Colley, not necessarily Willie Colley, but Willie Colley to a point. And it's like I think once defenses actually start game planning more for Bagley, he's going to be able to get stopped. He's not physical enough yet. He has the hops and he ha- he has the wingspan. But physically, I don't think he can compete with somebody like um, 
like a um, Giannis or any of those bigger guys in the at the power forward position or DeMarcus Cousins or any like I, I understand those guys are centers, but for the most part, to exploit Bagley, teams are going to be playing bigger guys against him, and he's not going to be able to move him. He's just not that physically strong yet. So we'll see if he can if he can work around that. That's cool. Um, you know, he I think he has the same type of athleticism as, as you know maybe not that level, but similar athleticism to Amar Stoudemire and Blake Griffin, but both of them are a lot more built than he is right now. So we'll, it, it'll be cool to see where he's at in a couple Coach. of years. Hmm? Coach of the year. Mine's Nate McMillan. Nate McMillan's a great candidate. I think Nick Nurse gets it. It's his first year as a head coach. He's killing it. He is killing it. I don't think... I think... But the thing is, before this season, Dwayne Casey was so insistent upon doing the whole traditional starting lineup of um, Ibaka at the four and Jonas at the five. Nick Nurse has totally unlocked their potential by playing Siakam at the four and Ibaka at the five. That move was a great move. It's not one that many coaches would have made, but I think it's one of the one of the many examples as to why he's a coach of the year candidate. I think he gets it. He's a rookie head coach doing a fantastic job. They're in the one seed still. I think he gets it. He's a great coach. He's doing fantastic. His offensive, his, his game plan, if you ever watch a Raptors game, the plays that they run, fantastic. Like literally... Nothing but open threes, open layups. He's in the same mold as a Greg Popovich where he's just quiet, disciplined, comes in, his team's disciplined every single day, comes in quietly, don't talk much, gets the dub, walk out, that's it. They're just He's just a winner. So I think he wins it. That's my coach of the year so far. Okay. Any other awards? Hmm? Who's the runner-up? Runner-up would probably be Nate McMillan. He's done a great job this year. Okay. He's done a great job this year. If the Clippers would have kept a bias, I think Doc Rivers would have been up there. He, he, he was doing a great job with them before, you know, they started to go for full rebuild. Um, any other awards? Like six Man of the Year? I hate judging Six Man of the Year. I think it's so tough. It's like one of the hardest awards to always do. Um, but, yeah. Uh, and I, you, I don't think you can really do one at the halfway point because it's always the guy who gets hot in the second half that always wins it. So. He's been hurt. He's been hurt a lot, man. He's been he's been out of the lineup a lot. And Eric Gordon, you know, he's always it's, it's literally at this point it's always just coming it's coming down to Lou Williams and Eric Gordon. But Dennis Schroeder hasn't done well either. I thought he was going to be a sixth man of the year candidate, but he could do better. He could be, he could do be doing better than what he's doing right now. Um, yeah. Who do you think wins the All Star game? I think the I think that Team Giannis is so funny how they how he got Westbrook and Embiid on the same team. I think they win though. No. Really. I think the whole buddy buddy system with LeBron's team is gonna lose. If hey, I'm... Chet, serious question: uh, Are you talking all time? My ideal starting five, or just right now, my ideal starting five? But yeah, uh, I think LeBron is the has the better team, in my opinion. I love how when he took Anthony Davis, and they're like, "Oh, would you love to play with him?" He's like, "Yeah." Giannis is like, "Isn't that tampering?" Yeah, it's yeah, funny. yeah. Giannis is Giannis is what I like about basketball right now because he literally does not want to be LeBron James. LeBron James wants the highlights, wants the spotlight, wants the attention. And Giannis is kind of like, I don't need it. I'm good anyway. You don't need to give me the attention because I'm going to beat you. And it's it's like, I like it. I like the the attitude that Giannis has. It's like so anti-LeBron. Yeah, that's true. I, I, players, I hate LeBron. Ideal starting five. Ideal starting five? Current players. Current players? Like, like not all time, but like best starting five if I had to choose one right now out of all the players in the NBA. Um, point guard, that's tough. 
I think I'd have to go with Kyrie Irving there. Um, two guard, I think I, it's easy. I think you go with, with James Harden. Um, the three position. Um, KD. Yeah, but it's tough. No, I'd go LeBron still. And then power forward Giannis. And center, I think I'd go with Joel Embiid. He's pretty good. I, that guy's transcendent to go from a... Think about this. Joel Embiid didn't play basketball until he was 16. That's crazy. He's, he's fantastic. But, yeah. Uh, or do you? Th- Real question here. Who would you rather have? Would you rather have Anthony Davis or Joel Embiid? It's like, that's the other guy I would have put the five if I didn't choose Embiid. Davis. Really? Really? Yeah. I don't know. Sorry. He'd go with Jokic. Who would? This guy? Whoever's commenting? Uh, I don't know about that. I don't know. Jokic is fantastic, but... Naturally, he's just not as talented as an, as an Embiid or Davis. But yeah, so, I think about Davis. You, yeah, I, I, I think Embiid's better. If I, if I'm putting Embiid in, along against Davis, I think Embiid's better. I think you should. Say, yeah, but yeah. Any, any other thing to talk about? Any other trade deadline? Any, any other recent topics? I mean, other than the trade deadline, there hasn't been that much going on. There's just been a lot of trade rumors the past couple weeks. Yeah, baseball's been boring. Football. Football. You know, football's football. It's off season, so that know. time when nothing really happens except the Cardinals are just picking up everyone people releases. Yeah, I saw like, that. I saw that. Yeah. And Robert Alford. Yeah, Robert Alford, and then um that, the linebacker they got today. Oh. Yeah, so good, good for Arizona. You know, we need something out here. Trash, trash. Worst They're franchise. So bad. They're so They're bad. So Nick Bosa is gonna be good in the Cardinals uniform, though. Nick Bosa would be good. Mm-hmm. And I think Rosen just needs a couple more offensive linemen. <laughs> so, you know, I saw this article this morning from, an, we'll say, an unnamed, very big website about potential trades uh, in, the, in the NFL. And if anybody else read it, whoever the author was just literally had Odo Beckham Jr., who, um, Odo Beckham Jr., A.J. Green, and Antonio Brown going to like 20 of the 30 teams like, no creativity, just the same star players over and over and over again to different teams. Or he had Donald Penn going to, like, six different teams. Like, there's no creativity at all. And I think that, you know, like, a, it, but but I will say the one thing I saw out of that article is I think he had um, the Cardinals trading for, what was it? I think it was A.J. Green. So I was like, oh, that's actually kind of, like, a, a cool idea. That was the only thing that I read out of that article that I thought was a cool idea. Because Rosen would be, it'd be cool to see Rosen with a with a, a true number one like that. But and Larry Fitzgerald, oh god. Hmm. Okay, then. Uh, would you accept Zach Levine for your number one pick this year? If you got it, I think you meant Zion. Wait, what? Would I accept Zach Levine for a number one overall pick? No. Like, <laughs> what? What pick are we talking? Are we picking? Like, are we picking like top five? Because that's no. If we're picking like number seven or number eight, yeah, I'd take Zach Levine for a number seven or a number eight. If it depends what situation I'm at. If I'm at, if I'm um. Who would have a seven days pick? <laughs> it's tough. It's Clippers? tough. It depends who, who depends who tanks. Yeah, the Clippers, but they already have Shy Gilgis. He's so good. And it's like, I get it, but Zach Levine's just so bad on the defensive end. I think that's why there were no suitors for him last year. Number one, he wanted $20 million a year, which only the Kings and the Bulls would offer him. Number two, because he's not good on defense. And at this point, if you're going to be a two-guard and you're not on James Harden's level in terms of offense, you need to be good on defense too. 
you need to be both ways. You can't just play one side of the ball. So, but yeah, yeah. Any other questions? Any other things like that before we shut it down for the day? We'll have some more live streams coming to you soon. I think this is a cool setup. We actually set it up kind of cool today, and it's working. So, yeah. Good Anyways, stuff. though, we are supposed to be putting some hockey stuff out. Yes, yes. There's new contributors. <laughs> yes, yes. We'll have some new hockey articles up for hockey fans. Um, college basketball, somebody will be covering. It won't be me because I don't find it entertaining and I actually kind of hate it. But somebody will do that. I will cover basketball. Mickey will cover baseball. We'll both cover football and we'll have hockey soon. So continue to follow us. We're building a team. If you're interested in writing and you have a passion for it, definitely feel free to reach out. We'd love to add you. So there's more than two of us on the call. And uh, yeah, in the meantime, uh, this is call, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, yeah. simple. At the website, counselcall.com. Yeah. We are desperately looking for writers. So if you want to write, feel I, free. You can also join the podcast. Yeah, might as well. And we're doing some collaboration soon. We need to set that up. I'm never free because I work full time, but I'll be going to school in May. So, you know, this is going to be a lot, a lot hotter in May. So just give me some time and we'll have content, content up every single day. Uh, but in the meantime, thank you guys for watching. If you have any other video ideas or anything you want to see at all, just DM us. Let us know. We'll make a whole video dedicated to what you want to hear. So, yeah, let us know, guys. Thank you so much for joining in, though. This is Cal's Call. You guys have a great day. Thank you guys for joining in. For all the latest and breaking news, podcasts, and live streams, make sure to check out Cal's Call on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Periscope.